Momo and Johnny for a minute. Can you come up, Lizzie? Come, come. Thank you, Lizzie. It's been around for thousands of years. Praises are a big sugya. There's a whole sugya of praising people and what a praise means, how to give a praise. It's a sugya because people can flatter, people can misuse praises and just say things, also be detached from things you hold and just say random things. The ability to praise, but to praise accurately, is extremely important. The Rambam gives a very small list in that precious mitzvah, very small sample of what that means to love another Yid. On the list is to be to be very careful with your friend's money, to be careful another Yid's money. And on that list is to praise Yidin, is to be Meshabeach Yidin. So praise has a big significance that we're mitzvah by Hashem in loving another Yid, and the Rambam can find very few examples, why, why, but praising, being mishabeach, saying praises. We all know pr- the sogi of praises, people can say a praise doesn't actually hurt us. That's called patronizing a praise that makes us feel like you're babying me. So praising is very complex, what that means to praise somebody. Are you being accurate? Are you true to what you're saying? In general, we all know in Hilchas Brachas, the bracha shakol niyeh b'dvaray. Does that sound like a good praise to Hashem? Blessed are you, Hashem, shakol niyeh b'dvaray. Everything comes through you. You're the source of it all. It's all you, Hashem. Everything comes from you. That's an awfully, in Hilchas brachas, how chashev is that bracha? Hamaitzi lechem and ar shakol niyeh b'dvaray. Which is more chashev, why, why? Hamaitzi. If you have Hamaitzi or a Shahakal, you make Hamaitzi first. It's a big shayla. Mishabru has a suffix. If you come home after a day in yeshiva, your wife serves supper, she has a mezainus there. She has something that's mezainus, but then she, you have a drink. So mezainus normally comes first. Baremi ne Hashem creates all different types of mazain, is before Shahakal Niyabadvari. Everything comes from you, Hashem. It's a Shailam Mishabruz Mesub. Let's say I'm thirsty. I just need a drink. Could you make the Shahakal first? That's a Shailam. In, in, in the Shahakal before Mizainus, if your mamish needs a drink, that's more Makal. Let's say your wife has Hamaitzi and a Shahakal, where if you wash, you're not going to need the Shahakal, but you're really thirsty. Is that a Bracha Shain at Srikha to make the Shahakal first? That's a much, the stakes are higher. The first Shaila, it's rather pushit that you could have the shahakal first. You're just thirsty. How about if your mom is thirsty, but you could wash and then have the shahakal? The pashtas paiskam are makal. You could make the shahakal first, even though we try not to force unnecessary brachas. But lemaisa, I'm thirsty. I need a drink. I came home. Even though I could wait a minute, I won't die of thirst. But Lemaise, you're desperate. It's not called Ain Tzrich. I need a shahakal now. And even though you could say, but I might see comes first, but I'm mamish thirsty. I want to say hello to my mishpacha. A drink would help. So it's very shaykh to pashtas. You could be makal and make the shahakal, then washed. Though it is a chiddish. Again, we're talking about a guy who mamish is thirsty to be friendly. He needs a shahakal.
Lemaisa Amaitzi comes before Shako. Why? Why? Why is that? Because bread's more important. So it's not, you're, you're learning it's not the quality of the bracha. It's the, but you would suspect because bread's more important, it gets a better bracha. What's, what about the bracha that's more powerful? Aren't you supposed to say what you say more often first, though? Momo says it's especially odd. I make more shahakals, yet shahakals considered an inferior bracha. The reason it's inferior, yes. I think it's the bread. I think it's more of a bread than actual bracha because bread is the most basic food. So Judah and why we are both just saying that bread is more filling, it's more essential than, than shakal. It's true what you're both saying, but then it should reflect that the bracha mimeh was the stronger bracha. The, the simple understanding of why hamaitzi is more important than shakal has everything to do with relationships. And in relationships, if somebody says to Avi, even if they mean sincerely, even if they mean sincerely, Avi, you're an incredible guy. But they mean it. But they mean it. It's still the praise is, you, because you weren't specific. I'm not, if you don't mean it, so then it doesn't mean very much anyway. Say, Avi, you're incredible. Even Avi's feelings of it are limited. Because it wasn't specific. I, there's a guy here, I asked, I asked different guys to take the shiurim and yeshiva and speak at graduation. And I asked guys to, to thank the Rebbe, their 6th, 12th grade shiurim, to thank the Rebbe, and to a little bit describe the shir, a trick to speaking. If a guy says the shir is amazing, if a guy visualizes walking to the base medrash, going to my right corner to Rifarkas, he'll start getting choked up. He'll connect more to what he's saying because he got so specific. If I tell you Avi's an incredible guy, if I don't mean it, so it's not a weak praise because I don't mean it. But even if I mean it, even if I mean it, but because it was so general in relationship, in connection, it's a weak praise. I'm not, I didn't get so specific. I said a generalization. You don't connect as profoundly and as emotionally to it. Just say, Avi's an incredible guy. If I get, he's incredible, and I start saying specifics about what Avi's done, then, then I connect and relate more to it. It causes more connection. As such, it's a better praise. Shakonli Abidvari is true. Hashem created everything. But the magnitude of that makes you not connect to what you're saying. Hashem, you created everything. It's a good praise, and it's true. He's the, he's the originator of it all. But by its nature, the praise is not quite as powerful because you didn't get so specific. When you speak about Amaitzi Lechem and Aretz, Maitzi Lechem and Aretz refers to the whole process of making bread. You're actually thanking Hashem for the miracle of what comes out, the wheat that comes out of the ground. You create, you're thanking Hashem for the miracle of the human being who knows how to turn that wheat into all those 11 things that go into creating pass. And Hamaitzi means that produces, you don't say min adama, min haaretz. It means the whole process, of, the whole sidura de pass from the creation of human beings to trucks to all the things that bring a piece of wheat into the bakery to turn it into bread and you're thanking Hashem for that whole process because it's more specific.
it's a much higher praise. You emotionally connect to it more. You know what I mean, Avi? The general praise, I've mentioned the siyumim that we're middle of siyum season. So it always came out ironic. A guy thanks his mom for coming to the siyum. Now they did drive four hours. Parents drove up two hours there to his back. There's what the, that's, he, his mom gave birth to him. His mom pays for everything. His mom, like, like raised him, put up with all his shenanigans, is the one who believes in him, is here for him. Thanks, mom, for coming to my sim. Really? That, that, she did, any mother, I, I put a lot more coming to see him, but it's not, it's not a small thing to thank her for coming to the sim because you get, because you were very specific, because you emotionally connect to it, it actually might be the best praise you say. By the way, the guy will get the most choked up saying, Mom, it means a lot that you came to my sim. From there, he could thank for more, but because it's very present, he could feel it, he's in the moment. So that's in Helcha's praise, that's a very strong praise. It actually gets you much more connected. I have spoken to guys who want to thank their wife. You're making a bris one day. Go, do it real. Thank your spouse. You have a child. She carried this baby. She agreed to marry you. She bet her existence. And you want to thank her. The first thing to do is look at the bris. And she mamish set up nicely. Now it sounds funny. Thank you so much for making such a nice party. She did a lot more. But because it's present, it's what you're feeling now. Lamaisi, your family showed up and everything she does with such class, it will actually bring, evoke the most connection to what you're saying. As such, it will be a much better thank you. It's a much better praise. Thank you and praise. A better appreciation of because you're more connected to it. So, of course you mean it. Hashem created it all. But in Helcha's praise, it's a lower praise because of the magnitude, Shalom. It's harder to connect to it. The more the food, and you're right, what YY said is, and Judah said is right, that pass is more chashev as such, it gets a better bracha. But the reason it's a better bracha is because it's more specific. So there's a big sugya of praises, of had a praise, of what's a good praise, what's a weak praise. So, but just to throw around praises, certainly step one is not to say things that you're not connected to. That's for sure not a very good idea to praise in ways you're not connected. So I wanted to give that akdama to, to say how important a praise is and not, not wasting a praise, not exaggerating a praise. I want to say that in the yeshiva we're passionate about the sugya called chinuch, education and being a mechanech, and what that means and what it takes today. We're at an age, once upon a time, a lot of chinuch said to people, just power through, you can do it. Come on, power through, come on. And we're at an age that doesn't work. People did that in marriages, people did that in life, just power through. We, somebody, a philosopher, can analyze it today till tomorrow. Anybody who sees life knows the way we work ourselves. It doesn't work for you and me. There was an age people did it in marriage. People had funny shidduchim and they just made it work because that was the attitude of the world. We live in an age, you can analyze today, it could be the affluence, so we have more time to deal with other... Whatever Hashem did to set this up, any intelligent person sees that there were schools that were smacking and hitting a hundred years ago, and to a degree it worked. What they were saying is just produce and knock it off. 
And today, they're, they're people with emotional needs and emotional nuance and need to process and work through and understand and feel it. That's, that's the world we live in. And, and as such, we need a, a, a mechanic that can, that can reflect that, that has an understanding of emotional nuance, that can hear and listen and connect in a more delicate and subtle way to just do it and push through and fight through. I did it. That's very cool and amazing. I'm not convinced that it's going to work for a generation today. And I'm pretty convinced it won't. And as such, we need mechanichim that are more attuned, better listeners, more nuanced. And to me, it's an honor. We're Zaycha today to have somebody here who's a mechanic, who's an epic mechanic, somebody who's impacted many, many Talmidim. We have guys in Yeshiva who are here now, who are presently Shloyme and others, Shloyme, you and Rice Stern, Shear. We have, what do you say? Ninth grade. So it's just really an honor to have a mechanic who's, who's somebody who's impacting hundreds of lives. And in the way that we, in the way that, that in the Yeshiva guys have discussed and the way the guys have taught me, about what chinuch and the needs of chinuch of today, it's really an honor. It's a schos that Rai Stern is here, and I thank him for coming, and thank him for everything, for anybody who knows the sugya, who watches the sugya of chinuch, and there's tremendously special things going on out there. And the rebbeim who are connecting to guys in profound ways, it's what people are craving, a deeper connection, a more nuanced connection, and to have a Rebbe who can provide that and is providing that and raising Talmidim that are coming out. Rev Geisler speaks about the Talmidim that are coming out from my Stern's Yeshiva. He's spoken to friends of mine about those Talmidim. And I, I know Talmidim coming out from the Yeshiva. It's nicker that, th- that they're built. It's nicker that there's, there's tremendous character development. So it's just a schuss for us all. Thank you, Rai Stern, for being here. I'm not, I'm not throwing out the praise lightly. That's why I gave Akdama about praises. It's something guy, a, guy, a guy can fetch about anything he wants. Any guy here can fetch. Oh, my yeshiva. It's a fetch. And then you gave the world the fetch. Adding a kvetch to the world could do something. Sometimes enough kvetches can affect change. I can't say it does nothing. But much better than a kvetch is do something about it. And I say to a guy, go teach. We need, it. We need people to get in at every stage, at, from younger grades to high schools, from all different education, to get in there and do something about it. Get in there and so kvetching is one thing. I can't say kvetch doesn't do anything, but better than kvetch is steig and do something, stand up. So to be in the presence of somebody who's affecting a, 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 big, a big, powerful change, if you will, and a moving forward, an understanding of today's kin and what works, to, what works today. To us guys who are around today, it's really, it's really something encouraging and exciting. And there's chayvahs for everybody. Do something about it. We could do so. We don't have to sit back. We're all capable of doing something. This one to actually get in a classroom and give his life and do it. Connect, relate, understand, uplift. It's not, it's not nothing simple. It's easier to sit on the sideline and fetch. 
but much more effective is to get, get down and, and get busy. There are all different layers and levels that people can affect change. I definitely think we need to reach, we need to reach our own passionate Yiddishkeit is the, st- the start of anything, our own chiyos and cheshek in Yiddishkeit, and, and, and then to share it, to share it with others. That's what we need to do. I've spoken to the guys that a good mechanic, this frustrates me, there are people that think a good mechanic is a good manipulator. I read an article recently on a mechanic that was nifter. I was close to nauseous. I'm not exaggerating. I was nauseous. I like physically got me sick. It's just, it got me sick. Now, I don't mind people write things. People are entitled. I make mistakes. He makes mistakes. You make mistakes. The nausea wasn't how mistaken. The nausea is the impact on it. They wrote about this mechanic and they wrote like tricks, manip- manipulative tricks, that as if that was like a eulogy. He passed away recently, and his eulogy was some tricks of the trade. It was nauseating because if chinuch's anything to do with tricks, that's childish. Are there tricks? All of us have methods, any parent, any human being, but deeper than any method is who are you? And a mechanic, any speaker, a guy gets up and speaks. Is there anything wrong with having methods of speaking? I went somewhere a while ago and somebody got up and spoke and had all the methods of speaking and I felt said nothing. And I felt it was very, I was like very, so I got up and I spoke, I like literally got up like, and I just threw away any method of speaking. I, there's something called a power beginning, there's a power ending, there's, a, there's, there's ways of speaking. And I bedafka used no methods of speaking. I gave the most boring speech because I was nauseated by methods of speaking because it was a guf belina shama. And I just got, there's nothing wrong with methods of speaking, but when all you are, and the crowd could be bawling, but, but did you give toichen? What did you share? What did you say? What, were, what was your message? What did you teach? What did you give over has to matter. So in Chinuch, if, if there's something called meth- methodology of classroom management, that's good. But that's not the essence of Chinuch. That's, that, that's a guf belina shama. Talk about the soul. Don't talk about the guf. That's not the point. So it's a good manipulation. Um, what makes a good mechanic is a yid who's on fire and then it has the willingness. Right? With Snicky's a good mechanic because he's on fire with Yiddishkeit. He's fire with Yiddishkeit. And in this bizarre thing, he's willing to share it with others. It's very hard to share it. At the point you share it, it's dangerous. To stand up here right now is dangerous. Because you talk, it's hard to be real when you're talking. It's much easier. For Avi's Webner, it's much easier to be real. He sits in his dorm and he's real. He's growing. He's thinking about life and adding. But also you're standing on a stage and you're darshaning. So it's very easy to be... It's, it's a, there's nisyayness to speak from the heart, to say what you're connected to. It's a harder challenge. A mechanic is somebody who has something, an avodis Hashem that's authentic, that's serious, and is willing to share it. And, is, and, and could, even though he's sharing it, could have a nace. To stay focused, to stay present, to stay real, and also share it. That's right with Snicky. Right? Stern is a mechanic in our world. I have to, I, it's a sad times that I have to explain. He's not a master manipulator. That's, 
Are there methods to teach in a classroom? Fine, but that's not a mechanic. What defines a good mechanic is somebody who has something, a derech of avodas Hashem, that's tempting, that's special, that's sincere. Rai Shapiro spoke on Father's Day in Yeshiva. And a yid said to me, a very intelligent yid, a beautiful yid, who probably is going to listen to this Shia right now, he said, whoa, that man knows how to speak. Made me laugh because I know Rai Shapiro since he's a kid. If he would have been alone in the room, by the way, the jokes he would make to himself. I know him. Even the jokes wasn't like he had a method of speaking. If you know Rai Shapiro, he's unique. His mind, the way he connects to Tyre is fascinating and funny and riveting. And he's a present person. Yiddishkeit Tyre matters. He studies a Pusuk. He marries the Pusuk. He embraces it. And his thought process, and then he shares it. When he speaks, we're all like sitting there drooling. He sometimes forgets we're in the room, by the way. It's not even methods, the funny part there. Can you picture if your father was alone? He's looking in. He's like, my. And I, I can picture the, his expressions are just, he happens to share with us. It's so nice of him that he shares his thoughts and his chasna to Tyre. He happens to get married publicly. That's the chiddush of a mechanic, the willingness to share what you have with the next person. And you're not, there's a fear factor that maybe I'll lose it. So you need a special siyat of the shmai that even though you share it, to still maintain it. That's a siyat of the shmaya. And that needs a care and a concern to not lose it just because you're sharing it. But, 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 but when the guy says he's a great speaker or he really knows how to do it, <laughs> no, he was just learning Torah, connecting to Torah and sharing it. So I have to be mazma. He's speaking about Stern as a master, as a, as a mechanic of today. It's a sincerity. It's his own emotional attachment to Yiddishkeit, to Torah, to Avedis Hashem, that he has Talmidim that are fortunate that he shares it with them. So we don't look at a manipulator, grand manipulator. You ask him why one? I got very, the reason I got nauseous to read about manipulations is because it's a very secular world of education. Had to take a room full of people and bring them somewhere and sell something. It was cringy because oh, that's not it. That's not it. That's not Torah. It's not Avoid the Sashem. Then you're not selling something real if it's a series of manipulations. That's it's a used car salesman. That's. This is This is something precious and real. So I wanted to share. That was the first thing I wanted to tell the guys before we begin Muslim today. The second thing I wanted to tell is we have a chasen here. Baruch Hashem, we have a chasen here. It's Afraf Chayim, right? Chayim is Menachem. I'm sorry, Menachem Palak. Menachem Palak, who is from Boston, a city my wife and I happen to appreciate a lot. That's like a little bit of an escape place for me. Boston, so it's a beautiful city. I also like the Boston Rebbe's Kill, I like a lot. I like eclectic groups. I like when Yidden does like variety. It's like the only place maybe in the world you could see a guy who's Hasidish from the belly up. And then you notice his pants, he has sweatpants, but he's like Hasidish, big pay. It's like fascinating Yidden. It's a range of Yidden. Beautiful, beautiful matzib. But Menachem Zuchasen, it's it's, it's really in honor that a chassan joined us. He's offered this Shabbos, a ben and a chassan. I appreciate you joining us. I want the way we're, we, we have a weird way of greeting and being friendly. We do a lot with music. So I want to, here we have for Rabbi Stern Shlita and for the 
Chasna and his chavra. I want to greet with song. Let's do a nice song for the chavra. I want to speak today about prayer, a little bit about tefillah. So we'll do something on tefillah. There's something we sang a lot over Yom Tev, and we'll all sing together, but uh, Johnny will start us up. We'll do it. Let's do the voices. Let's do just the voice. Maybe after. Let's see after his menach. Let's do Viseyarev. Viseyarev Lefanecha is a prayer to Hashem that we ask Hashem. We want Viseyarev Lefanecha Asira Seinu. Asira Seinu are our tefillahs, our supplications. And it's a prayer that Hashem should like our tefillah. I then want to speak about tefillah a little bit, but I want to start about that our tefillah should be sweet to Hashem. Take it probably a higher key than before. Then the high. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take it away, Johnny. Different people have said, it's been said by 
chashuvim, and I want to refine a little bit. There's a line that prayer is us talking to God, and Torah is God talking to us. And I want to refine that a little bit. I think it's not a full picture. It is Hashem talking to us, Torah, but we're involved in that conversation much more than you think. I want to study Gemara Git and Vav Bez together, and I think it will affect our prayer. There's a very, very big Chacham, a very intellectual Yid, who says publicly that he struggles with prayer. And he struggles, a very intellectual, one of, known as one of the smartest Jews in the world, and he says publicly that he struggles, I don't do prayer well, and he says philosophically, what am I telling God, like, how to run his world, and he struggles with that. And I think there's a tremendous mistake he's making. I think, I think there's not an understanding of Hashem's world. He probably, he's a good person who probably overvalues Chachma, which is a famous mistake. But I want to talk a little bit about, about Tefillah and come to the Sogi of Tefillah through the Sogi of Torah. The Gemara in Gittin, the Gemara in Gittin says as follows, Vava Medbeis, it's a shocking Gemara. The Gemara says as follows. The Gemara is talking about a Yid Rev Yasar. The Gemara had asked, Rev Yosef said, Man bar The Gemara wants to know, is discussing Rev Yasar, is he somebody who's a reliable person? This Amira is, the Gemara is discussing, can we rely on him? A statement he makes, can we rely on and the Gemara says, of course we can rely on him. The Gemara says, Hashem agreed to him. He's definitely a reliable person. The Rabbi Shalom agreed to him. What's the story? The Chsib, the Pasuk says, there was a famous civil war in Klal Yisrael. There's a whole story of Pelegesh Begiva. And there's a whole Machlaikis, what happened that caused a man... There's a whole mice of a man who murdered his Pelegesh, and the Shaila is what precipitated the man's anger. He got angry at his Pelegesh. A Pelegesh is a wife, according to Samashine, without a ksuba. It's some form of a lesser wife, a secondary wife. And this man got angry at his Pelegesh, and it ultimately sparked the civil war. And there's a machlaikas in the Gemara, what angered the man? Historically, what happened? Rebbev Yasser said, Zvuv Matzalah, he found a fly in the food and he got upset at his wife. There was a Zvuv, there was a fly in the food. Rebbev Yainis and Amar Nima Matzalah, he found the string, he was upset. There was a Machlaikis, what upset this, um, this man. Ashkechei Rebbev Yasser Leliyahu. Rebbev Yasser finds Eliyahu Anavi, he has a big Machlaikis. What happened by Pelegish Begiva? What angered this man? And he finds Eliyahu Anavi. It's funny that the Gemara doesn't bring this as a proof that Rav Yasser is a trustworthy person. He bumped into Eliyahu Anavi. Somehow that's not mentioned as the proof that he's a reliable person. I guess you could be not so chashm and still meet Eliyahu Anavi. I guess. But Lameiser, Rav Yasser, bumps into Eliyahu Anavi. What's Hashem doing right now? 
So they ask him, my Kavit HaKadosh Baruch what's Hashem doing? What's happening in Shemayim? Fascinating question that you could ask that. What's going on? What's God up to today? Interesting. What's he busy with? My Kavit HaKadosh Baruch what's Hashem doing right now? So Amalei, Asik B'Pilegish Begiva. Eureka, he's learning the Sugi of Pilegish Begiva. It's dizzying, and you could study this the rest of your life. What does it mean Hashem's learning a sugya, and he's figuring out what happened? I think Hashem knows what happened. Umay Kamar, Sir Rav Yasser is excited. What did God say? He wants to find out. Remember, Rav Yasser had a machloikas with Rav Yonason. Who's right? What happened? So he said, God's learning the sugya pilegish begiva. And so he says, oh, so what is Hashem saying? Umay Kamar. So what's Hashem Paskin? What happened? God knows what happened. He was there. He made all the players involved. He wrote the film. He knows what happened. So on my leg, Navi tells him that God said, Ev Yasser b'ni Ev Yasser said the following thing happened, and Yonasam b'ni Hashem learned the machlaikas. He says there's two versions what happened. God says the two versions of what happened. This Gemara is mind blowing. Hashem says that two versions of what happened. So on my layer of Yasser is like, what? So Hashem's Mesopic, what happened? No, both are right. They're both the words of Hashem. Both things happened. He found the Zvuv and he wasn't Makbid. Because after all, it's not her fault. If a fly falls in, you can't always control that. Nima matza, nima, string doesn't fly in. If a string's there, so it's her fault. Vehik, but he was makbid. But sometimes you have a second thing that frustrates you. It's the first thing that was hovering. So the first thing bothered. The second brought it over the top. We're saying this like this isn't like, oh, now it's understandable that he killed like. No, it's not an excuse. No, there's, why it's like relevant to like the story. Reason. No, not giving a value, just saying what the story was. And Momo, I promise you have a very good question. Who cares? That's a very strong question. There's obviously from every stage, it has to matter why. And the Gemara has to be saying, teaching us something. That's a very good question. But I want to ask Hashem, what is happening? Hashem says, what happened? He's learning a sugi Hashem. He's studying Torah Hashem. He's studying the Torah, and what's he busy? It wasn't a coincidence. Rabbi Vyasar is in the middle of a sugya. What's God doing? He's also learning the sugya with you. What does he say? He says, Vyasar says this. Why is Hashem saying? What? If, Hashem, if Hashem learns the Torah is one thing, why is he studying what a human being learned in the Torah? God studying Torah, that's, that's already fascinating. It's an event that happened. But then he studies the Torah. He says, if Yasser says this and Yonason says this. He quotes Hashem, quotes what a person said happened. And then he says, what's Hashem's misup? He says, no, everything in the Gemara is true. Bullshit, this are true. What's very, very clear and has to be understood is that when you study Torah, you are not a, watching a ball game. When you're a fan, you know, fans watch a game. We have this bizarre thing that we think we matter. 
I at times, like, I have to leave a game, and it's obvious to me if I would have stayed, the Mets would have won. It's like I'm telling you, it just I wasn't there to like get him through. Pashit was I was busy with a lot of stuff. I can't I can't always be there for them. But we have this bizarre notion that maybe like our watching and cheering like matter. Maybe you're at the game, you're making noise, maybe could <coughs> the home crowd. But you're 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 listening on your radio driving somewhere, you could scream as loud as you want. It's not likely your screaming helps the players. Tyra Lahavdo, you're not a passive participant in Limanat Tyra. Tyra is what it says and how it hits you. That's all the Tyra. You're studying it, that is Tyra. What it says and a guy like you reading it, how you perceive it is part of Tyra. This is Mivur in many places in Shas, this amongst them. Hashem says, is learning a sugya and says what happened is, Evyasar said this, Rebbe Evyasar in his shleimus, in his perfection, in his sincerity, and viewing it in a beautiful way, in his honest, sincere way, becomes part of Torah. And Hashem, when he studies the Sugya Pulegish Begiva, studies what it says and how Evyasar perceives it. And Yonasam perceives it different, and they're both part of Torah. They're both part of Torah. All over Shas, Hillel and Shammai are quoted all over Shas. And remarkably, you'd say like minus one, just go the way we pass, and no, they're both part of Torah. Each one, a Hillel being Hillel, he perceives it as Torah. And Shammai, and they're supposed to perceive it different. And we're supposed to have Hillel and Shammai's position. That's what we're supposed to have. Rabbi Shapiro spoke Shabbos about Shalom, what Shalom means. People think shalom means everybody holds the same thing. That's not shalom. That's, that's ridiculous. Shalom is two people that have a difference of opinion that respect each other. And shalom is shleimus, is when we have both perspectives. When we're zeichet to the beautiful both perspectives. I love, I've given this example to the guys countless times in shul. I love a healthy, robust shul. You could say many machloksim, but I love the underlying debate of the rigid guys against the flexible guys. It's awesome. In any good, healthy shul, you have the rigid guys want silence and everything on time, and they're like, mm. and and you, it's so obvious you need both guys. Without the flexible guys, we'd all go off the derech. Shuls would shut down. They'd be the most dry, boring <coughs> places. Without the rigid guy, the flexible guy makes shul fun and beautiful and inspiring and uplifting. Without the rigid guy, we would never start davening. It would, be, it would just be, it also wouldn't be too from. They're both, you need them both. You need both guys fighting and upholding, but you need them to respect each other, but you need both fellas. And shalom is when you have shleimus, is when you have both sides, you have a complete picture, and you have all different viewpoints represented, that's shalom, that's peace. When Hashem learns Torah, and to say Torah, God is talking to us, and to say that Torah is not the full truth, it's what Hashem says and how man understands what Hashem says. The man's viewpoint of it is part of Torah. His honest and, and the way what Hashem says is reflected through the person. So the learn, it's not just God talking, you're talking also. 
that's Torah. And Hashem, when he studies Torah, says, Evyasar says, That's what Hashem says. Evyasar my son, says as follows. Evyasar, my son, says as follows. That's part of Torah. The perspective of a human being matters. And each person is supposed to bring out their perspective. And their perspective in Limanat Torah matters. And that's part of the learning process. I think to understand that is a very good segue into prayer. Because prayer contains a tremendous chiddush. Prayer contains somebody sick and you say to Hashem how it appears to you. There's a tremendous like chutzpah to prayer. Prayer say, God, it would be so good if you healed this person. We'll all be so into you, and you're kind. It doesn't fit you not to heal him. I think about Rabbi Zon. I think about how much he gives to the yeshiva and to the guys. I think about Rabbi Zon as somebody who's, he gives it. The man gives everything he has. You talk about a mechanic who brings it. He doesn't hold back, not his money, not his time. Their mechanics are willing to give up to it. Rabbi Zon would give his last five, does, not would buy stuff for the guys, gives stuff, cares, brings it. He treats the type, they're his children. Everything he does, he does all out. The way Rizom plays basketball, the way he defends, the, the ball didn't even get thrown up yet, he defends his man already. He's in his moment. He brings it. That's how he lives life. That's how he does life. I don't, I don't agree to somebody who plays ball and doesn't chase the fly. That's how you're going to live life elsewhere. You don't turn me this on and off. The guy who doesn't chase a fly, you'll have that parallel in your life. I mean, to do every, do, you play ball, play like a mensch. I don't like a guy quitting basketball, then you quit in life too. So meet this are through and through. You don't turn them on and off. It bothers me. I see a team that hustles, bothered. Rizon plays basketball like he lives life. It's midas. And his mid is, he brings it and plays hard and is, is in and locked in. And the way he's mechanic, the way he's a rebbe, the way he cares for his guys is incredible. And to me, it's like frustrating. And the prayer to Hashem to give refuah to his wife, Tilana Rivka Basrachla, refuah Shlema, complete refuah. Here is somebody, Hashem, I could just say my perspective. He brings it for your children. Take care of him. Take care of him and his wife. Give her refuah. You're kind, Hashem. What a kid, Shemayim. It would be somebody, it's like obvious. Somebody who takes care of others, take care of him. We need him, we want him. She's healthy, is better for hundreds of your kids, Hashem. It's like so obvious. Now, how arrogant are you to tell that to God? How arrogant, Kalish. So you have an intellectual guy, so I struggle with prayer. My... What he doesn't understand is that's what prayer means. Hashem cares about our perspective. He wants our perspective. Torah, the essence of Torah, matters what Rebbe Vyasar sees. And Hashem created a human being, and Torah, it's mind-blowing that part of Torah is how Rabbi Yasser would perceive, and Hashem calls that Torah. Our eternal Torah matters how a human being perceives it. And prayer contains that also. It's oversimplification. Torah is Hashem talking to us. Prayer is us talking to Hashem. No. Torah 
is Hashem talking to us and how we perceive what He's saying. And how we perceive what He's saying is Hashem's studies. That's part of Tyra. The human being's perspective matters is a wild chiddish of Tyra. It's a chiddish nifla that the human being matters and his perspective matters. Is a chiddish of Tyra. It's a chiddish of Tyra. I'm going to add a Isafa that I haven't told you before, but I just think it's true. A guy sins and he's supposed to get how many lashes? 40 lashes. And Chazal say, no, he gets 39. The Torah says, Arbaim Yakenu, hit him 40 times. Chazal said, they studied the Pasuk, they said they had a drasha, the number 40. Why did God say the number 40? He means the number that brings you to 40, hit him 39 times. And by the way, if you hit 40 times, you chayiv malchus now. Ironically. If you hit him 40, and here is the place that we learn the power of Chachamim. The Gemara says people are tipshim for standing up for the Torah, not a learner of Torah, because God said hit him 40 and Chacham say 39 times. That Torah is the human being's perspective, is gufa, the the fact that you stand up for a Talmud Chacham because he's part of Tyra, he's the Ashlama of Tyra. And, and, and go for the cure to a guy who's over Averis, that he's high of Malchus, is knowing the power of human being. If a, the one who's hit with Malchus, who underestimates his own value and doesn't care and does Averis, he doesn't understand he doesn't understand the epic importance of his actions. He has to know that the human being is part of Tyra. And he's not hit 40 times, he's hit 39. Because the human being's perspective on this is kaiveya. What Hashem says and how the human being learns it. And that brings to prayer. Prayer, it matters how you feel, shockingly. It matters how you feel. And Hashem made a world and affects the world how you see it. That prayer works and kach, there's, that Rebnasen Vachsvog used to quote the Pasuk. Prayer is mind-boggling. L'chu navni vachecha, come fight me, Hashem says, and that's prayer. L'chu navni vachecha, come fight me, is prayer. Hashem invites the human being to fight him. It's mind-boggling. That's why I, I don't relate to davening. Hashem, uh, he knows everything. You don't relate that your perspective matters. Hashem, this is how us humans see it. This is how we see it. And you cared it matters because Hashem says that it matters, the human being, how you see it. And he sends a whole bracha by you asserting what you see. All the greats in the Torah who argued with Hashem, it's like Hashem doesn't know what you're saying. Hashem was saying, please express your perspective. And that matters, your perspective on it. That's the amazing chiddush of tefillah, that it matters, the human perspective. And come and come demand. I think we daven way too softly. We daven apologetically. Am I allowed to say it? Say it, say it, speak it out. Express your perspective. Hashem <coughs> wants to hear it. He's misavid, as a lashon of taival, tefillah, and shal yisrael. L'chun please fight me. I want your perspective. Right, Shapiro brilliantly expressed on Shabbos that we start Shmanesse with praises of Hashem. He's everything. We start with three praises of Hashem.
first three brachas. Then we go into this incredible portion of 12 bakashes, requests, which you're fighting Hashem, the perspective of a human being, constantly reviewing that Hashem is the source of all. You're the Reifei Chalbasa, but Reifeinu Hashem. Heal us. I know you're the Reifei, so heal us, Hashem. Please heal us, Hashem. It would be such a Kiddush It would be so appropriate. Please, Hashem. And my perspective matters. You want my perspective. You ask for my perspective. Come and fight me. You want my perspective. You want the perspective of a human being. That's prayer. He said that after we do all that, we say, Maidim. We say, Maidim, we just fought. We just said our, our such a human, limited perspective. So we thank Hashem. And then we close with Sim Shalom, the Brach of Shalom. He said, right, Shapiro explained to us the bracha for Shalom is we're asking Hashem, ultimately I want your perspective. Bar Panecha. With Yar Hashem Panav Elecha, the Haras Panam of Hashem is Hashem's perspective. Ultimately, all my prayers are because I have a limited perspective. Give me Shalom. I beg you, Hashem, right now all I have is my perspective. Can I please have a better perspective? That's Shalom. That's the Ha'aras Panam of Hashem. There's a tremendous correlation between Torah and the Ha'aras Panam of Hashem because Torah is Hashem's perspective. So Torah and the process of Torah is us pulling in Hashem's perspective the way we see it. But that's what we dive in, Yara Hashem Panam but that the human being's perspective is significant, is a chiddush nifla of prayer. But I want to share that Torah contains that chiddush. When Hashem studies Torah, He asks how have Yasser sees it. The Gemara in Bamatsiya that loy bashamaymi, that it matters how the human being perceives Torah. The human being's perspective matters in Hashem's eyes and wants the human being's perspective and brings bracha to the world through the human being's requests. He says, Baruch Aleinu Hashem, give Parnassah. For us, we're human here. We see that you're somebody who has Parnassah, give Parnassah. I had an aunt whose child was sick and she was so upset at Hashem. You're the healer. You're the one who controls refuah. How can you not care about your kid? You love him. I don't get you. was so angry and frustrated and praying. All wrapped in one. It mattered her prayer. It mattered her perspective. Who knows the Yeshua's? Who knows the extra days of life? The miracles that were, that from, from a prayer like that, because a human being's perspective matters. Why does it matter? Because prayer comes that don't be afraid to have a perspective, and come and daven and ask Hashem how it appears. Now you're fully aware, and you say to Hashem, Sim Shalom, Hashem, give me a perspective. This is the limited perspective I have. And it allows me, maybe I just have this half the reason I have it's Hashem wants a relationship and wants me to cry out, but please share your perspective. I have told the guys here before this line that your kid's perception is your reality. How your kids perceive it matters to you. Any healthy parent cares how his, how his kids perceive it. So that's not what happened, that's how I perceived it. And your perception matters. How you perceive it matters, your kid's perception. And Hashem cares about our perception. That's prayer. And a whole world that He wants what we perceive and will bring bracha based on the perception of a human being. Or big bracha. And if it, to us we come with a fight, in a sense, Hashem, 
you're kind and this, your kindness will be best displayed this way. And he wants that perception and will bring kindness through it. He did that by Avram Avinu and will continue to do that by us. So I wanted to share this amazing, ins- this amazing mitzvah with Torah because I think that's a good segue into prayer, which prayer is primarily the perception of a human being. And a human being saying, Hashem, this is how it looks to me. And he comes to Hashem and Hashem, based on the way the human being is seeing it, sends tremendous, tremendous bracha. A human being is validated and his perceptions validated. And for an intellectual to get up and say, I don't get prayers, I'm not going to dive in. He doesn't know that the human perception is valid. One day with his own kid, that's a guy who might say, well, I'm smarter and I know. I hear, but your kid's perception matters. And you actually want to hear your kid's perception. It actually matters to you how they're perceiving things, even though you say, that's not what happened. But it matters, but that's how they perceive it. And that matters to you, because they matter. Or their perception matters. The smug father who says, that's not what happened. You're missing the boat. It doesn't matter how. You could be a genius, but you have that your kid has a perception. And his perception you have to live with as a reality. And by the way, the whole prayer is Hashem lives with our perception and it counts. And it matters. And it's significant. And I bazai, come and fight me, Hashem says. That a remarkable chiddush of prayer, why, why? Remarkable that it matters so. Someone wants to ask, why does Hashem value our perception? He does. That's the gift of prayer. That's the gift of this relationship. That it's alive, ever relevant, ever present to our world. A beautiful shot. Right, Shapiro said something remarkably similar. Bensi saying, whenever we say Hashem is Chayim, by a human being alive is as opposed to dead. By God, there's no Mitzis. What does it mean, Chayim? Kim Chayim. What does it mean, alive, as opposed to what? And Bensi is saying, Dibril Kim Chaim is ever relevant and present to our life. That's the Chaim. Because of our perspective matters, that's as a profound connection. It's not like we're in a separate world from Hashem. The, the perception we have, I think with your own kids, if you're there and you, and, you, and you care about their perspective, that's a present relationship. Maybe that's Dibril Kim Chaim. Very nice shot, Bensi. Shapiro says something very similar. You had this chat before? No, no, no. No, no, no. The Elu Ve'elu, that both Pshatim are eternal and matter, and that the perspective of a person matters, is a very important part of everybody's Limanatayr. That you sit down, you're not observing a ball game. That sometimes people struggle with the shears that you're going down and you're like, uh, you, you feel like you're a fan in the stands. When you learn tires, you should never feel that way. It matters how it's hitting you. 
It matters what you see in the Gemara, what's it saying, what's, and as you're toiling and working and have your perspective ever matters a lot. You're an active participant, not a, it's not a spectator thing. That's Torah, and that actually empowers a davener because his perspective matters. The understanding of that is Torah. It's not just Torah, Hashem speaks to us, but we speak to him. In Torah, it speaks about a perspective that matters, and you could bring that perspective to prayer. There are amazing Gemaras of Hanina ben Daisa making circles and fighting with Hashem, because that's what Hashem says, come fight me. Your perspective matters, and talk to me with your perspective. Describe what you're seeing, and Hashem through that brings bracha. I could see so many fathers, so many healthy fathers. It's not even a kasha why Hashem made a world that way. That's a world of connection and relationship. Your kid's perception is your reality, and you're training your kid that it matters how he perceives things. And Hashem made a whole world that bracha and good things come from prayer is a beautiful world that empowers the man's perspective and the man's view of things. It absolutely matters. And Hashem brings bracha through that is wild. We've discussed an ayin toiv and the effect of a human being on another person. The human perspective matters. That would be like such an important takeaway from Limerat Torah and from Tefillah and for somebody to say like I don't know how to daven because what Hashem knows that's a, that's a world he doesn't understand that human perspective matters we whisper we whisper Baruch Shem because of how chiddushtik it is that's why we whisper Baruch Shem the Kvayd Malchusa is the human being behavior is the honor brings honor to Hashem we whisper because it's so wild that it's true, kach gazer Hashem, but we don't say it loudly. It's like arrogant that it matters the human being, but he does. So we whisper bar Hashem. Very good, Avrami. Very good. That whole prayer that you're a shaymei atfila, it may be the siddur is the earliest sefer we have in Torah Shabbat. And Baruch Atah Hashem Shemei Atfila. You're a list. It's a chiddush nefla. It's like a wild chiddush that Hashem is a Shemei Atfila. He cares about human perspective. He hears prayer. That it matters the human perspective. He's a Shemei Atfila. A yid said, I don't do well with davening. Philosophically, I don't understand. Hashem's a Shemei Atfila. He does care about human perspective. Ephraim? It doesn't work. Ephraim saying here it worked out. Elu ve'elu was like very neat and easy here because both things did happen. A lot of times elu ve'elu won't work out. We'll have machleksim where it can't be both. Yeah. 
Interesting, interesting. I hear what you're asking. That what do you do all those countless times in Shas where you can't be miyashivit so easily? I still think it's true elu veelu, but it has to be worked out what the elu veelu is. Here it was like an easy one. How does this play out? It's a shame. Like why couldn't the Gemara give us elu veelu in every machleik is held v'shamay? The one time it like shares with us the elu veelu. there's both things happen. Usually it's not so easy. It's a very it's a very valid point. But you're definitely right. Bensi's not, he, he, I mean, Ephraim's not disagreeing with that. For sure you're right. And the Elu Ve'elu normally, it's just interesting that the one time it speaks out the Elu Ve'elu was a story that both things happen. Normally it's harder, but you'd have to work out how both truths are truths. And there are other ways to work it out in each sugya, how both truths are powerful truths in, that exists in the world. It just, this is an easier place where it actually speaks it out is easier than most cases. You almost wish, Ephraim saying, we wish we had the Elu Ve'elu like ability in every sug, you explain to us how both sides have a reality. Maybe this is harder to do it here because the story and both things, I don't know. Could be it's easier. Ephraim's point is this one is very specific, a story that two things did happen. It's an easier way to show us Elu Ve'elu. Do we know Elu Ve'elu applies the way we know it is Kashas records it. If it wasn't Elu Velu, it wouldn't be recorded. All over Shas. Right, but it records both. It records both. It has to be. It's ever relevant. Otherwise, it wouldn't record it. That's the, that's the riot to Elu Velu. There's psak. We have psak, and yet it's recorded. That's that's how I think. So the reason why it says Kim is that like? Yeah, I don't know why Elokim also be with Kimchaim. Why not refer to him as Hashem? I don't know. That's a good question. Here it says Kimchaim. There's, there's a Gemara, it's interesting, there's a Gemara that we, we just bordered that I wasn't planning on learning with the Chavra today. If I have Rishos, we'll learn, it's right next door to Gemara we just studied. It's relevant to a prayer we say in Shmanesh. I wasn't planning on learning to the guys, but we just finished Sukkah last night and it said, Toiv Tzadik, Toiv that the tzaddik gets benched and a shachin. So we had a gemara that we studied. I want to study a shachin gemara. I want to first ask Rabbi Stern to share something a little mean here. They're putting Rabbi Stern on the spot like that. I'm going to ask. I want to study a gemara in a couple of minutes. First, let's hear something from Rabbi Stern for a few minutes. And then we'll get back to the second gemara. Ask him, Abi. Come 
I'll be honest. I try to be honest. It's a shtickle fantasy of mine to speak by one of these. I like like many other yidden in this world that uh, this is a shtick like Varsina. A lot of terror comes down here. I'm very grateful for whoever records it. And uh, it honestly it changed my life. When I was uh, I, I live in Artsel, I was supposed to be in Artsel for nine years. And I and I came back and there's always like when you come back from Artsel, there's always like a little bit of adjustment because you always want to steig and you always want to grow, but you feel like it should look the same as Eretz Yisrael. And when you realize that the steiging in Eretz Yisrael, the steiging in America, for most people, just looks different. I was getting used to this. I was doing a lot more driving, and I was listening to different shirim. I started listening to the Rebbe or the Rav or Alter from Durham, as one of my friend calls him. And uh, and uh, he said it's okay to get old. So, <laughs> so this is. Uh, I know he's 25. I know. Le, 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 le so, so, so it's something that really changed my life and, uh, and I'm forever grateful and, and I think that, that honestly the, the number one biggest problem with Waterbury I know I'm coming to Waterbury saying the biggest problem with Waterbury I guess that makes me a real rebel you know. but what I want to tell you is that there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue that you guys have which is a hard thing that you know, a baby when it, when it first starts eating salads it first starts eating food so it, uh, it just loves everything. Whatever it eats, whatever it drinks, it, it, it enjoys it because it's better than formula. I don't know if you've ever smelled formula. It's like a pretty nasty thing. And whatever it gets, it gets very excited. But if, let's say, imagine you start off a baby on like ice cream, it'd be very hard to work backwards than what happens. So Havdal, you guys, the guys here, a lot of times were, you know, it's the beginning of growth. You guys start, start stagging in high school, whatever it is, and you're like one, two years old in a Ruchnius year, and you're being exposed to one of the biggest people that we have around, it's a little bit hard sometimes to scale back. You go around and you realize like, wait a minute, like it all, it all started there, but that was, that was very, very good. And that's, a, that's honestly, I think that's the biggest problem in Waterbury, something that you can't really do much about. So that's a, that, that, that's a big thing. I want to just talk quickly because it sounds, I'm not off the cuff. I had a feeling the Rebbe might put me on the spot and then I, I wasn't able to listen so well because I was thinking a little bit. But there's something, a message I, that I feel is very important. I, I once went to another yeshiva and I said the same thing, which it's hard to speak things over. You get bored of, you get bored of yourself a little bit. But, but I think this is a, it's a very strong message. It's something I found in my life that's a big, uh, like we're in the middle of the Muhammad Chazaka, of the, the big fight with the Yitzhahara. It's a, it's a very hush of a thing. I also, it's, you know, I, I didn't only come to see, to see Rebbe, also to see so, so many guys. I, I have the privilege, I, my first year teaching, I had seven guys in my class and five Baruch made it here. Made it to Yeshiva, made it to Waterbury and, and Shtagdai, I guess, you know, my brother Simcha, he quoted a morale that, that I guess you're, you're, when you speak, it's like you're panemius, you can't hide yourself. So I guess, I had a lot of guys ended up here, I guess, I, you know, that passed along the, the Talmidim. But there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys, Shtagdai, it's a Yeshiva of, of panemius, it's a special place. I love, you know, sometimes the guy tells me, yeah, I saw it this guy that you had or whatever reason Waterbury looks this like the looks don't matter here what matters is what's going on the inside the premius and that's that's the way it should be it's a very very hush of a thing so uh, it's, it's great to see that see, see the boys um, so I just want to get back to very quickly is uh, there's, there's something I, I had a Rebbe I was in I was actually in Arsameh for two years and I had a Rebbe of Dala Shlita Yitzhak Mendezi Sharafu Shlema Dala was about Shuva he was uh, he's, he is about Shuva he's a uh, person, a very, very thought out person. 
uh, doctor, formerly a doctor. And Rav Dalla said, one of the best Mishalom I've ever heard in my life. I wanted to share with you, then I wanted to share the other side. I apologize, I'm speaking about the potential for a second, okay? But I'm not going to stop there. Well, I just want to discuss it. And he said, he said over that imagine you see a bunch of, like the president decides to send in like the Navy SEALs and like the Marines and like the whole army into this little village, you know, in Africa. It's like a little picket fence and like guys walking around with spears and like long cloths and they don't look like heavily armed. And you're wondering like, what's, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? You're sending in all these, you know, these armed forces. Any intelligent person would look into this. Obviously, much more than meets the eye. There might be, you know, Saddam Hussein or someone hiding on there, or like there's a nuclear reactor or whatever. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that the president's spending all these special forces and there's nothing, you know, and over there, there's, there's nothing there. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I never met somebody, including myself, I never met somebody else. My Yitzhar is like overrated. Like, he's not so good. Like, whatever, you know, things are pretty easy for me. Any guy you talk to would probably think they have the strongest seats around, I think. I never met a guy who didn't think that way. So you don't think that on the other side it's a fair fight? Hashem sends us this powerful Yitzhara. You don't think it's like there's nothing there? He's sending in the special forces, the Marines, everything. Yitzhara comes at you in so many different ways. We don't think there's something at least, at least as powerful on the other side. It's not a fair fight. And it's, it's a tremendous riot to the chilek of the the peace of God that's inside of us, that's just pulsating and just wants, just wants ruchnius. It just wants, it just wants, it just wants to And it doesn't make sense any other way. And that's really, that's something that shows of the, the, the way it is. One of the, Revolve brings down, I forgot from who, is the altar. I'm very bad with names. It ruins all my Gedalim stories. You know, someone lasts like 300 years. But I think, I don't remember, it might have, might have been the altar from Kelm. But he says over that, that, uh, that, that um, a person, I forgot, I forgot that. I forgot that, Nikita. I want to get back to my point. The, the, the point is that a person has this, this very strong, this very strong power within yeah, he says that a person, Adam Rishan, he speaks about Adam Rishan that the Malachim, I think the Medjah says, mistook him for, for a god. He says that really a human being is like that. A human being in its most proper form is like that. That all the animals bow down to, right? They all, I had a friend who said he once walked, I think, there were and like dogs were like bowing down when he walked, when he walked by. There's a, there's a certain the way human beings are supposed to be. An Adam is an Adam. That's the power of an Adam. But, I want to talk about what the, the danger of that is, and I think this is the battle within all, all of us. And that is, I want to, I want to tell a, a sports marshal. I think uh, John would appreciate it very much. And it's, it's something that I, uh, I'm, I, I appreciate football very much. And, and I, want to, I know it's football season here in, football season here in Durham. And, and uh, very fascinating, there's something called, I, I, appre- I especially appreciate the NFL draft. It's like a strange thing. I like the intrigue. I really appreciate it more in the season. It's a weird thing. Barash, I'm a Jet fan, so it's very exciting usually. And uh, this, this is something that, you know, that following that, I, I, it's something very fascinating here. And I think it's a very good muscle for, for the other side, what the danger is. So there's something called in, in football, and really in all sports, called a bust. A bust is you have a guy who's drafted a high position, and 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 they, they, they bring him in, and he totally disappoints. And a lot of times these guys, you know, two years later, like another team, sometimes they have a smart team, picks them up, switches them, but a lot of times these guys are washed out of the league in a few years, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sad thing. And there's a crazy, I think there's a stat, there's more like fourth round picks and on than the first three rounds in, in, the, NFL, in the NFL. 
And there's a crazy thing that sometimes it happens. A smart team picks up a player that was supposed to be very, very good, and he switch it, and they switch positions. Or they put him in a certain role, and all of a sudden, he's great. But he goes down in history as a bust. You look at this guy, he played 10 years in the NFL, offensive lineman. He was drafted, he was number two overall, supposed to be the left tackle, generational left tackle. And it didn't really work out the high expectations. Another team trades maybe like a conditional six-round pick. They move him into left guard. And this happened many times. I could tell you examples later. I have a brother, another brother, Chasher brother, or Hobi, who times uh, who anytime you say sports, Michelle, you lose everybody, especially if you use names. So, I don't know, maybe not here. But that's sometimes you use names. You know, you say somebody's name, and everyone, all of a sudden everyone's all over the place. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things like this. The guy all of a sudden plays 10 years at left guard, makes $150 million of his career, continues as an analyst, raises a nice, a nice mishpacha, and this guy will go down in the history of sports as a bust, as a bust. You're like, really? NFL, they say, stands for not for long. The average career is 2.6 years, whatever it is. The guy played 10 years. He made a lot of money. So what is it that someone thought that he, some analyst thought he was going to be like the best, you know, the best left tackle of his generation? He's a success. And I think the part that we're always fighting is that there's a Bachar and his soda named Moshe Kleiner, right? I had in Camp Agudo. So Moshe, Moshe said something very fascinating. I was talking about it a little bit, but he knocked it home. He said, we're overwhelmed by our potential sometimes. We're overwhelmed by our potential. And because we know the first moves, we know how powerful we all are, what happens is, is that we're so overwhelmed by it, we can't, we can't do things. We can't appreciate anything. A guy who's not getting out of bed, and it's, you know, it's late in the afternoon already, he's really sitting there in his bed crushed by his potential. He knows what he's capable of. Maybe he has a parent, maybe he has a, a Rebbe from way back saying, you're, this, you're such a smart guy. You know what you could be if you'd apply yourself? And he's crushed by that enormous potential. Who said that? Who said that? You don't know what my fights are. How in the world do you know that? How in the world do you say that? You're saying I'm a generational left tackle. Who says? Maybe I'm a great left guard. How is that? How is that? How is that? How is that possible? And that's what our job, our job, I think, always is to, is to balance these two, to have the shifa. Sameach Bechalka is one of the Memchas Kenanatayra. And a lot of the Farshim say it's not just in Gashmi, it's Sameach Bechalka, being happy with your chilek in Ruchnias. I, that's a stira. The Rav talks about this a lot also, but I, that's a stira. How could it be? You're satisfied. When people are satisfied with what they have, they usually, they usually don't grow more. But that's what it is. We know we're all, we're all powers inside of us. But whenever we feel that, just don't get overwhelmed by your potential. Appreciate things. Never say like, oh, I should have, I got out of bed, but it was 5 o'clock. got out of bed. There are guys who don't get out of bed. A guy says, I came to davening, it was late. Okay, but you came to davening. Don't add the but at the end of the sentence. Don't change the whole thing. Don't change from positive to negative. Don't get, don't get overwhelmed by, by, by our potential. I think this is a, this is a tremendous mulchama chazaka. That we're, that we're always part of, weighing up, pumping up, not to sell ourselves short, knowing what we are capable of and trying to strive towards that, at the same time, at the same time, weighing up and not, not, you know, not, not saying, oh, this is Nebuch, you know, what it is, I'm, I'm a bust. And always appreciating every little thing that's done. Thanks so much, Rabbi. Gallery, Eric Flowers, you keep going. There's many guys. I don't want to lose everyone, but it's about to continue. You know?
Chaim, I want to learn a Gemara. First of all, I start to thank the amazing Gemara. I want to study a Gemara again, just like I said, Toib with Tzadik, Toib with Shkhen, and we learned one Gemara. The Shachin is a Tzadik also. Chaim, I want to share Pshad and the Gemara based on the current events, Menachem. Something just happened in the world, and a Rebbe told this Chassidim something. I want to study what a Rebbe told his Hasidim in Eretz Yisrael. He gathered about 5,000 of his Hasidim and he told them something that I was Nishtoim from. There was a group of Hasidim that were attacked. They were physically attacked and hurt. And the Rebbe called a tremendous Hasifa before Shavuos of all his Hasidim. And he was rallying his Hasidim. And I'm going to try to give over. He spoke. All the Hasidim were waiting for his words. The Hasidim were attacked and hurt. And they were waiting for the Rebbe's Divrei Chizuk. For the first while, all he spoke about was Shavuos. The Hasidim came. They were ready for like everybody was excited. What he spoke about Shavuos. Dvarim Neflam about Shavuos. And then for like a couple of minutes, he addressed what they went through. I want to try to do justice, if I can, in my own words, to tell you what he says by learning a Gemara Gittin Daf Zayin. Hudi, I want to learn this Gemara. I never told you this chat. Let's, let's learn this Gemara together. Listen, Hudi. Daf Zayin, I'm an Aleph in Gittin. We'll do this fast. The Gemara says as follows. Sholach lay mar ukva l'rablazer. Mar ukva, this, mar ukva, sends to Rebeliezer, to Rebelazer, he sends him the following question. There are people that are opposing me, that are fighting me. I could take them to court. I could give them over to the king. I have the goods against them and I can get them in trouble. What's the halacha? I can get them in trouble with government. They'll lock them up. They're standing up to me. They're causing me problems, Shalom. And I can get them in trouble. Ma, what's the halacha? You already hear this, Gemara? So he sends, Mar Okva sends to Rebbe Lazar, people are starting up with me. I have the power to take them and get them in trouble. Should I do it? Sirtate because of late. Rebbe Lazar writes back to Mar Okva, Amarti, I said, Eshmra Darki Mechatoi, I guard my way from sinning. Bill Shiny with my mouth, Eshmra Lupi Machsoim. He says that I guard my mouth, I make a machsoim lefi, ba'id rasha negdi. So even though the rush is standing up to me, I guard my mouth. He said, don't, don't tell on them. That's what Rebbe Lazar says back to my rukva. Shalach it's a little while later, and these people are not stopping. Kamitsarli tuva. They're making me crazy. I can't do anything about it. I can't stop them. My only hope is to tell the government, what should I do? They don't let go. They're continuously bothering me. They're being with Sarami. It's interesting. The Gemara doesn't say what they were doing, this, this, this evil person. But he's making my ukva crazy. So Shalach lays, he says back to him, Doim Lashem What does that mean? Hashkem Bahar Valem Lebeis Medrash. He darshins a Pasuk. And he says, get up early and late to the base Medrash, and they'll die on their own. Learn Torah. 
Go to the base medrash evening and night, and they'll die on their own. Hadavar yatsim epir Belazar. Rebelazar gave this psak. And the bad guy was a guy named Gneva. He's only mentioned in one, in one Masechta in Shas. He's mentioned in Masechta's Gittin four times. It's fascinating. Gittin is a Masechta of separation. Gneva was a Talmud Chacham who was divisive. The Gemara says Bar Urian. He's a Talmud Chacham. But he's Palga. He's a divisive fellow. It's fascinating. The only Masechta in Shas he's mentioned is in the Masechta of Break Apart of Gittin. And he's mentioned here that Geneva gets locked up. The government on his own takes him away. So what, what Rebbe Lazar says to, what Rebbe Lazar says to Mar Okfa is go learn Torah and Hashem will deal with it. What was, Mar, what was Rebbe Lazar saying to Mar Okfa? Mar Okfa says he's making me nuts. And did he, he, he could have used the words, ignore him. What's Hashkem Baharav Aleim Lebeis Medrash? The words are even Hashkem Baharav Aleim Lebeis Medrash. Go early and late, Aleim. What's Aleim? Ignore them. It's really, he, base, he says, Marukva says to Rebbe Lazar, there are people coming after me, fighting me, go, challenging me, saying bad things about me. So he could have said ignore, he doesn't say ignore. He says, Hashkin Baharav Aleim Lubeis Medrash. Go early and late, go to the base Medrash Aleim on them. What's this Aleim? Go learn, ignore them, do what you do. Don't let them throw you off your game. This Rebbe told this Hasidim something interesting. He said, when you're attacked, he said, you can make it all about the attacker. You have personal animosity and you make a whole fight with the attacker. There's a whole other way of living that I learn what I can learn for me. It's not about the attacker. In as much as they're teaching me something, they're attacking me. In as much as they're saying something that I can change, so then let me change it. Make it about yourself. Don't make it a response. Don't be busy with them. Hashkim v'harva leyem l'beis medrash is bring them to the base medrash. Bring what they say to your own world of avodas Hashem. In as much as there's something we can learn and fix up and correct, so let's do it. Maybe we can learn from their attacks, Samuna. Maybe whatever you can take out that's relevant to your sugya, bring to the base medrash. The Rebbe taught the Hasidim that we're attacked, if we make this a fight about them, if we make this a fight about the adversary and we're busy with him, then our whole lives have been disrupted. We're all of a sudden about this other person. If we keep it about ourselves and what I've learned, what it's brought out of me, and it might be some criticism they said that I learned to correct. It might be just from having an attacker that I learned something about me. If we keep the sugya about ourselves, Hashem will deal with them. That doesn't become our sugya, the enemy. I can't be busy there. This is the Rebbe gathered his chassidim and told his chassidim. It was very cool because he first spoke about Shavuos for about an hour and a half. And he did it. He didn't just say this. They have this big gathering, 5,000 chassidim. 
and they went through something serious. The Rebbe felt to address it, though. People were hurt. People were very... But first the Rebbe spoke. That's what he was saying. Let's, 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 let's face Shavuos. He spoke for an hour and a half, Devarim Neflam, breathing Shavuos into his Hasidim, talking about Shavuos, uplifting them to the spirit of Shavuos. And then he said the attitude of somebody attacking is what we can learn, what we can change, what we can affect, how we can figure in our own life things we could be mechazek. So let's be mechazek. And there's sugya, and what, but, but let's not make them our sugya. He didn't just say ignore. He said take it as your sugya, and the areas that you can work on, you can perfect. You can grow, grow, and then... I've watched, I have watched Bachrim, and it's something I'm thinking about in a time when guys are holding minutes before graduation. I have watched people be hurt by, by, a, by whether it's a system or a person. The sophisticated person develops his sugya, develops his own sugya, works through, that could be feelings, we're human beings, but develops their own sugya, their own sugya of being healthy and passionate and robust, successful steigers. And you find from that place of healing, from that place of steiging, from that place, they're Michael other people and they let go from that place, they're not busy with the other person. I think that's all lies in the words Hashkem Bahar Medrash. Take yourself morning and night alayim beyond there. And whatever it brought out, it brought out stuff. And if there are feelings to work through, so work through those feelings. Don't continue to live the sugya of that person. The focus is not on how bad that person, it's not creating a them and a hisnagdos. It's Hashkem Bahar Valayim Lubeis Medrash. Let me develop my own life, my own career of Avodah Hashem, a healthy place. And he will find on its own the adversaries. Their story will happen on its own. It won't be relevant to you anymore. The words come out of Rebbe mouth. They take an Eva out to Kailar Hashem. Hashem handles Geneva's own sugya. That's handled by itself. There's an unsuccessful way of living or continuing to make the other person your sugya continuously focused and busy with the other mensch, and there's the Hashkem Bahar Valeim Lebeis Medrash approach, where the person's own Avaydis Hashem and own healing and own story of service is what's focused on Yosef. So I wanted to study that beautiful Gemara, that advice, Rebbe Lazar to, to, to Marukva, that's right near Rebbe Yasser Gemara, that I think is instructive in our own sugi. So Rebbe Mamish got up. He didn't come from this Gemara. But he got up and said this to his chasidim, shtark, like he first said it by speaking about Shavuos for an hour and a half. But that's what he was saying. They were all waiting for a response to a difficult situation. He spoke about Shavuos. Then he spoke about taking in as much as we can learn from our own difficulty, as much as we can... Whatever it is, whether we learn more empathy, whatever it is we learn from our own story to bring to the base medrash, and not to make our story about the other person, to try as best as we can by focusing on our own healing and our own success and our own connection to Hashem and detaching from the, the part of the other person. That's, this is all part of the Isser Nekama. It's all part of the Isser Nekama is that the focus is on the person and what he went through. You're allowed to focus on you and what you went through. 
to focus on the adversary, to focus on the perpetrator a lot. Hashkem v'harav aleim lebeis medrash. Go yourself aleim, higher than them, above them, the high road. Go to the beis medrash, ven kolam aleim. And the adversary, that Hashem will deal with that. That will work on its own. That's not your sugyan. That advice I appreciate a lot. We're going to dive in. Thank you.